Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast Week 15 Game by Game Preview Edition. I'm your host, Ian Harditz. Happy Week 15. The fantasy freaking playoffs are finally here. Put in a lot of work, and I know that these next three weeks are truly the only things that matter at the end of the day. Whether you're going for a championship, whether you're trying not to win the last place punishment, got a lot of games still to win, and by a lot, I mean specifically three. So let's hunker down and get after it. Just me riding solo today. Going to have a few more solo ones on this specific stream throughout the end of the season. Don't worry, we'll be back with plenty of guests, though, once the offseason gets going. So with that, game by game, let's get after everybody. Starting off with some Thursday night football action 49ers at the Seahawks. 49ers favored by three and a half points. Game total at 43 and a half. So the big injury going on here, we had to deal with Jimmy G leaving a couple of weeks ago. And now it is Debo Samuel expecting to miss a couple of weeks with an ankle sprain that apparently isn't high at least. So should be back by week 17. So don't cut Debo Samuel just yet. Might be able to get a courageous performance to get him back for the fantasy championship. But as you might expect, Ayuk and George Kittle have both been awfully good without Debo in the picture over these past three seasons. Ayuk in particular, we have a good seven game sample size of him with a full-time role and no Debo in action and in those games guys 91 yards in the touchdown 75 yards in the tutty 119 yards 73 yards in the tutty a couple duds of 55 yards and 55 scoreless yards or less most recently in week eight 81 yards and a touchdown George Kittle pretty damn good in his own right as well 39 yards in the tutty monster 181 yard performance with two touchdowns 68 and 92 scoreless yards as well without Debo Samuel in action so I get it Chris McCaffrey also in the fold, but Brandon Ayuk all the way up to wide receiver 16 for me this week. I know the Seahawks have been a pretty good pass defense, but I think those numbers have been a little bit inflated by some of these quarterbacks they've gotten to face. Sam Darnold and John freaking, um, oh my goodness, John, oh my, Wolford, Wolford. A lot of backup quarterbacks these days. Everyone give me a break. John Wolford and Sam Darnold over the past two weeks. No Seahawks fans. I'm not trying to insult Tariq Woolen, but at the end of the day, he doesn't shadow. He spends pretty much all of his time at right cornerback. Will be a matchup that the 49ers can easily avoid if they desire. On the other side of the ball, in this week's Pete Carroll injury report hijinks, we have Kenneth Walker apparently taken off the final injury report with that ankle injury, but then he went ahead and said in his press conference that Walker would officially be questionable. So tentatively expecting Walker to play, but just make sure Thursday night that Pete Carroll doesn't pull another Pete Carroll and mess with all of us out here. So if Walker's in there, going to be pretty tough to bench despite the tough matchup. I mean, 49ers, guys, 73 fewer rushing yards to opposing running backs than any other team this entire season so maybe walker can actually just get a workhorse role if he's healthy enough for it travis homer had that in spades last week 91 percent snap rate for the man reportedly set to be the rb2 behind tony jones not to name anyone particular with that one so look lockett metcalf they've been upside wide receiver twos all season continue to trust them and don't be surprised if we see more pass game volume this week again against that juggernaut 49ers front seven Saturday football. Three games on Saturday, guys. So once you get past Thursday, make sure you check those lineups again on Friday before we get into the weekend. Kicking off at 1 p.m. Eastern, we got the Colts at the Vikings. Minnesota favored by four and a half points. Game total of 48 and a half. I love Michael Pittman. No, maybe in general, but definitely this week in fantasy football. So under Jeff Saturday, wide receiver 32, 23, 14, and a dud as a wide receiver 75 when he got locked up by Trayvon Diggs before the Colts week 14 by but you know guys the volume there has been good nine seven eleven and four targets in that stretch and now he gets a dream matchup here against the vikings defense that ranks dead 
freaking last in yards per attempt, explosive pass player rate, passer rating, passing yards allowed. You pick it. They have been the league's single worst defense against wide receivers aligned on the outside this season, which happens to be exactly where Michael Pittman spends the heavy majority of his time. So maybe six years ago, we were worrying about Patrick Peterson, but in the year 2022, we are targeting that old man. With the Vikings, we have a, you know, a pretty high-profile saddle matchup coming. Justin Jefferson versus Stephon Gilmore. Get your popcorn ready. That said, guys, we've only seen Gilmore spend a couple handfuls of snaps in the slot all season long, so they can avoid it when they want. It's Justin freaking Jefferson. He just went over 200 freaking yards and should have been more if the referees would just let the man play. That said, guys, hey, credit to Stephon Gilmore. Terry McLaurin, the only guy to go over 100 yards on him, and in seven shadow matchups, yet to allow a touchdown. So should be a fun battle there. And respect to the Colts, number one defense and PPR points per game allowed to opposing wide receivers. Final note in Minnesota, man, I've been a victim of this, guys. I have to swear off of running backs ever getting a chance to play more in the slot. That's my cross to bear. It has just been something I continue to buy into every summer. A lot of times with backups, the Tony Pollard's the Naeem Hines is of the world, and I need to stop. So not saying I completely bought into Dalvin Cook getting that usage, but that was a storyline during the offseason. And you look up now, and he has four total targets all season lined up in the slot or out wide. Possibly has contributed to him having career low marks in targets per game at 3.4 and just 13.1 receiving yards per game that said wouldn't be surprised if Dalvin Cook makes the most out of that rushing workload this week against the Colts defense that got flamed by the Eagles Steelers and Cowboys alike before their week 14 by 141 172 and 220 rushing yards allowed in those matchups Next up, we got the Ravens at the Browns once again on Saturday. Cleveland favored by two and a half points. Game total at 37 and a half. We'll see who ends up being under center, but it sounds like Tyler Huntley after practicing in full on Wednesday should be good to clear the concussion protocol. And in that case, he is going to be a top 16 quarterback for me thanks to that sweet, sweet rushing upside. So we got Huntley there if you need him. Mark Andrews, I know it hasn't been pretty. We're going down with the ship, though. Continue to start him. The main question here is what to make of J.K. Dobbins and that pretty nice performance last week. That said, Dobbins said himself after the game, quote unquote, it's still not me all the way yet. I'm still not in shape that I need to be in because I would have never gotten caught. He's referencing that long touchdown he had, but I'm sorry, long near touchdown he had, but then he scored the next play anyway. So fantasy managers weren't too uh, down on you after that Dobbins. And guess what? It's a great matchup. Brown's 30th ranked defense, PPR points allowed the position and yards before contact allowed per carry. That said, guys, remember, the Ravens are 31st and targets to their running backs. And this is not the J.K. Dobbins show. He made the most out of his opportunities last week, but he had 43% of the snaps and 15 carries. Gus Edwards, 34% of the snaps and 13 carries. And, oh, yeah, Kenyon Drake's there to take 18% snaps and the only two targets available. So not saying we need to bench J.K. Dobbins or anything like that. I have him ranked as my RB26 this week. Just realize he's got a very similar workload to guys like Deontay Foreman, like Jamal Williams, like Cordero Patterson. I wouldn't get carried away and put him up around guys like Miles Sanders, Isaiah Pacheco, Zico Elliott, David Montgomery, Zonovan Knight. I'm starting all those guys over J.K. Dobbins because, first of all, I think they have slightly less relative backfield competition and potentially with Anthony Brown or Tyler Huntley under center. I know the Browns defense isn't great, but I'm also not expecting the Ravens offense to be all that great, likely without Lamar Jackson. With the Browns, again, um, you know, I don't want to talk, you know, whatever. I'm just going to stop. 
you have your feelings on Deshaun Watson. I'm tired of freaking bringing up that disclaimer every single time I talk about the Browns, but there it is. We'll continue to watch the film and get better. I just want to say without seeming like a bad person, like he played a lot better last week. So with that in mind, I mean, Donovan Peoples-Jones dropped a four-yard touchdown. Cooper almost had a four-yard touchdown to play before. And my goodness, I mean, on the last drive of the game, fourth and four conversion, Cooper dropped that. Watson let him right down the field on the first drive of the game. Jacoby came in on a fourth and one and overthrew an open DPJ. So only 10 points they've scored 16 offensive points in two weeks i get it but i'm going back in the well with these pass catchers and deshaun watson as a top 10 quarterback guys this is a dream matchup i think he got a lot of the rust off last week and i think we have an opportunity to potentially get in a week ahead i mean i know we're not playing dfs here so we don't have to worry about ownership or anything like that but Cooper, Dolphin Peoples-Jones, David Njoku, this could be the week that we really see them all unleashed against a pass funnel Ravens defense that probably them or the Titans, the single worst unit in the league against the deep ball. And we probably have to give it to the Ravens, honestly. In terms of their defense against passes, throwing at least 20 yards downfield, dead last in EPA allowed per pass play, dead last in yards per attempt, dead last in explosive pass play rate. So Dolphin Peoples-Jones for me is a top 30 wide receiver. Amari Cooper is a recommended start as a wide receiver too. And the only tight ends I would start ahead of David Njoku are Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, George Kittle, Dalton Schultz, and TJ Hawkinson. Dolphins at the Bills, Saturday night football, Buffalo favored by seven and a half points, just the game total of 42. So if you guys want to check out the uh, Friday edition of this podcast with myself and Nick Botterford, you know, we'll have more information then. But yeah, weather not looking good for this one. You know, I'm trusting my lovely meteorologist here, aka Google. And yeah, 66% chance of rain but in Buffalo on um, at 8 p.m. So it's going to be a night game. My turn to snow with that 30 degree weather. So not looking good. Don't have the highest wins but this is why the game total is so low i mean the dolphins are only implied to score like 17 and a half points this week so that's the main i think factor going into that but yeah with tua guys it was a horrendous sunday night performance and really one of the worst performances by a quarterback we have seen all season i mean he had a 45.8 percent adjusted completion rate and all the only difference that is with regular completion rate is they give the quarterback the benefit of the doubt on drop passes so it just gives that little caveat to it and again 45.8 percent that is the only time in 378 instances of a player having 25 plus dropbacks that they finish under 50 percent so yeah it was ridiculous for Tua um, last week ridiculously bad and it was against the Chargers secondary that was missing their best player in Derwin James and just hasn't been very good all season long so Hey, still seen far more good than bad from Tua. He remains PFF's number one highest graded passer. He still tops the league in terms of yards per attempt. He's number two in passer rating. But again, horrific game, bad matchup here. How do we feel about Tua? It's going to be a low-end QB1 call, guys. I have him as my QB11 this week. I have him right in front of guys like Mike White, like Kirk Cousins, who have you know their own problems in terms of health or matchups. But I would start... Geno Smith, Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, Dak Prescott, among other guys ahead of Tua this week. Also, just keep an eye on Jeff Wilson and that hip. Raheem Mostert, good, not great, low-end RB2 play if Wilson ends up missing time. With the Bills, this backfield still just a bit too muddled to trust, guys. I mean, James Cook, Devin Singletary, and Naeem Hines staying involved in an offense that we know doesn't like to check the ball down and always gets Josh Allen involved at the goal line as well. So close start sit questions with any of those Bills running backs. I am taking the other guy. We do have some pretty fun matchups here happening at wide receivers. So on the one hand, Xavier Howard has done a really good job against Stefan Diggs historically. They've had four shadow matchups since 2020, and Diggs has actually never gained even 80 yards in those games. He has 
has scored twice, but most recently in week three, we saw it seven catches, 74 yards on 11 targets. So should you sit Stefan Diggs in the fantasy playoffs? Of course not. But hey, if you're going to be out there playing a little DFS on Saturday, worse ideas, I think, than fading um, Stefan Diggs, especially if you want to pivot and go for Gabriel Davis, who, hey, he got shut down by Nick Needham back in week three. But Nick Needham, unfortunately, tore his Achilles later in the year. We're now going to get Gabe Davis likely against Keon Cross and PFF's 118th highest graded cornerback this year. That's pretty bad when the entire study was only out of about 130, 140 corners, I believe. Also just five foot 10 and 194 pounds. I love going with Gabe Davis, maybe with some props and especially in DFS. He's not a must start guy in, you know, fantasy, especially with no teams on by. But I mean, Gabe Davis, Gabe Davis teams kind of know how it goes. You start the guy, you, you start the guy. And if you set him, you know, it's going to be a week. You wish you would have started him. Moving on to Sunday now, Eagles at the Bears, Philly, nine-point road favorites, game total of 48 and a half. So, disclaimer, the Eagles number one ranked scoring offense in the NFL. If you got an Eagle on your team, probably a decent chance that you should be starting them. That said, Devontae Smith, guys, he had eight-plus targets in four games between one weeks one through ten with Dallas Goddard in the lineup. All four games without Dallas Goddard, he's had eight targets here. So that really does help explain why he's been wide receiver 20, 57, 12, and 16 over these past four weeks. And when we have Goddard, you know, activated to return from IR, they, you know, he's in the practice window. It's not a guarantee he suits up this Sunday, but reports are saying that is the expectation. And worst case, he is back against the Cowboys. So again, Devontae Smith, I think if you have him, you're probably not going to have too many better options out there. But right now, assuming that Dallas Goddard is out, I have Devontae as my wide receiver 22 ahead of guys like Christian Kirk, even um, Amari Cooper, Jerry Judy, and like that. If we do get Dallas Goddard back into action, I'm not going to completely plummet Devontae Smith down the ranks, but I think then it becomes a better conversation for him like guys versus Jerry Judy and maybe even a Marquise Brown. Final note, we are continuing to ride the Miles Sanders train. Talked about it last week, how the Eagles and Nick Sirianni, they do a good job attacking opponents' weaknesses. And guess what? We have seen this Bears defense get flamed recently Cowboys had 200 rushing yards Falcons 149 Jets 158 and Packers 175 all just during their last six games so Sanders Devontae AJB Hurts great day to have an eagle on your fantasy squad with the Bears Continuing to trust David Montgomery. He comes in as a top 20 running back for me this week. When we look at him without Khalil Herbert, who could be back as early as week 16, but we're worried about week 15 right now. So it's all good in four games without Herbert, excuse me, three games. Montgomery has been the PPR RB six, the RB 21 and the RB 12 getting 21, 18 and 19 combined carries and targets along the way. So good stuff there. And otherwise it's just Justin Fields guys, only quarterbacks. I would start ahead of fields this week. Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, and Justin Herbert. So I am a little bit concerned that in week 13, he only had three designed rush attempts. I mean, if you look at the five games prior to that, he had 12, 5, 7, 10, and 11. But he's down to scramble, and honestly, that stat could be a little bit skewed if he was just simply giving the ball on read options that otherwise would have turned into designed rush attempts. So tough matchup, obviously, but Justin Fields, I mean, 7.1 yards per carry this year. That's the highest mark in NFL history among all players with at least 125 carries in a single season. Continue to go back to well with really the late round quarterback of 2022. Falcons taking on the Saints. New Orleans favored by four points. Game total at 43. Uh, 
guys, I want to come to you and just say, hey, Cordero Patterson, lock him in, start him, top 12 running back. But nope, we cannot do that. He came back from the injured reserve and he ripped off a PPR RB7 finish. Since then, hasn't even come close to cracking the top 24. So yeah, he'll probably get between 10 and 15 carries, but so will Tyler Algier. And with Desmond Ritter under center, yeah, maybe it can't get worse than what Mariota was doing, but man, it's not exactly a guarantee. And this is still the most run-heavy offense since the Rex Ryan 2009-led Jets. So really, CPAT, Algier, their RB3s. Algier is more of an RB4. And honestly, I'm going to be answering most start sick questions involving them with the other guy. And the same goes for Drake London. Has more than seven targets in just two games all season. Maybe it's trending up. Again, Marcus Mariota and the Falcons had the single lowest catchable pass rate in the NFL of this entire season. So I'm hoping that Tesman Ritter can be better than that. But that said, the volume continues to be so rough. Drake London, just the wide receiver 40 and expected PPR points per game this season. Hey, if you have a Falcon on your team, probably not the worst idea to leave them on the bench. With the Saints, Alvin Kamara, guys, should get featured here without Mark Ingram. But then again, this isn't the first time this year that Mark Ingram's been out of the picture. And I hate the fact in the year 2022, we have to wonder if we can finally get a good game out of Alvin Kamara just because old man Mark Ingram is out of the picture. So in the three games without Mark Ingram, he had 12, 11, and 16 touches despite having snap rates all north of 70%. So at the end of the day, Kamara, he's like the RB version of Mark Andrews this year. You're starting him. Usage is usually there. We know the talent's there. We've at least seen it in spurts this season. It's just been a really unfortunate here stretch for anyone relying on him. And then otherwise, it's just the Chris Olave show, guys, continuing to absolutely ball out. I know they had a bye last week, but first 13 weeks of the year, 2.45 yards per out run. The only rookie wide receivers with a better mark since 2015. A.J. Brown, Justin Jefferson, and Jamar Chase, not too shabby of company to be around. Chiefs taking on the Texans in Houston, Kansas City favored by 14 points, game total of 49 and a half. All the Isaiah Pacheco, fire him up, rock solid RB2. He's my RB16 on the week ahead of guys like Ezekiel Elliott, Dave Montgomery, and even the great Zonovan Knight. So really, it comes down to this. Pacheco is going to be seeing 15-plus touches. That's been happening for him really ever since Claude Eversolaire got removed from the picture. The Chiefs have a week-high 31.5 implied point total, and they're 14-point favorites. I mean, this is best-case scenario. It's similar to last week against the Broncos, but the difference is the Houston Texans defense isn't any good, and the Broncos can be. So Houston, 31st in PPR points per game allowed to opposing running backs. I mean, both Pollard and Zeke finished as top 11 performers in Week 14. Great day to have uh, Isaiah Pacheco out there. I'm not completely ruling out another solid game from Jarek McKinnon, but just realize, guys, similar to Juju and every other pass catcher in this offense, not named Travis Kelsey, and even he's been dudding a little bit lately. It's just not all that consistent getting the targets here. So, yes, McKinnon has had a couple nice games, but I don't think he's taken over for Pacheco by any stretch of the imagination. And just realize we're only two weeks removed from Pacheco having a combined 50 scoreless yards on a combined 10 touches over that two-week stretch. And finally, we are feeling good about Juju. I'm happy that call ended up working out last week. And guess what? Continues to be really the only full, full-time wide receiver in this offense with that 86% route rate. So PPR wide receiver 7, 4, 8, 58, and 5 with normal usage in his past five full games. Yes, the 58 dub was in there. That happened against the Bengals on season-low marks and pass attempts by Patrick Mahomes. 
My final note here for you grinders out there, you might have noticed that the Texans are actually the fourth best defense in PPR points per game allowed to wide receivers. I really think that's more of a game script thing and teams just being able to run the ball. So, you know, just taking the path of least resistance out there. So at the end of the day, they are 31st in PFF coverage grade. And that's why I'm confident in going to the hole with Mahomes, Juju and Kelsey business as usual. On the Houston side of things, I mean, look, I think it's going to be Dario Gumbawale probably leading the way with Damian Pierce expecting to miss this one with that ankle injury. But even then, guys, I just struggle to move the guy up the ranks too far. I'm going to have him kind of around that RB3 borderline with guys like James Cook, Cam Akers, Tyler Algier, Chuba Hubbard, not exactly great guys you want to be starting in the fantasy playoffs. Uh, we did have Chris Moore rip off a wide receiver five finish. Wow, rocking Will Fuller's old number last week. That is the first top 12 finish by any Texans wide receiver all season long. So, hey, no Nico Collins, no Brandon Cooks again. I would be confident starting Chris Moore ahead of guys like Michael Gallup, Jahan Dotson, and Paris Campbell versus the Chiefs' 29th-ranked defense and PPR points per game allowed to opposing wide receivers. Final note with Houston, I have not talked as much about the Houston Texans and actually had decent things to stay. say in a while. Jeff Driscoll, a poor man, middle-class man, whatever you want to call him, version of Taysom Hill with that quarterback tight end eligibility on Yahoo. God forbid they make a change. Going to Driscoll full-time, wouldn't be surprised. I would be surprised, I guess. I mean, it's Jeff freaking Driscoll, like if he's winning people fantasy championships. But if you have the bench room, guys, Jeff Driscoll, if he, and we talked about this with Dwayne McFarlane on a Sunday night, if somehow Jeff Driscoll gets the starting Texans job, 100% snap rate, and we can play him at tight end, Travis Kelsey is going to be the only guy that we're starting ahead of him in fantasy. What a time to be alive. Steelers at the Panthers, Carolina favored by three points, game total about 37 and a half points. Best Deontay Johnson performance of the season last week. He finished as the wide receiver 25, still has zero top 24 finishes all season long. In 2019, he had four. 2020, he had seven. 2021, 12 separate top 24 performances, not a single one this year. So 113 targets without a touchdown, and I don't think it's going to get better. Expecting a shadow matchup between him and J.C. Horn, PFF six highest graded cornerback in pure coverage. Meanwhile, we got Najee Harrison. Again, I'd like to stick up for Najee a little bit here because he hasn't been exceptionally worse than he was last season. He's averaging 0.1 fewer yards per carry, 1.1 fewer yards per reception. The problem has just been the opportunity. I mean, last year, guys, Najee Harris had 40 targets by the first freaking drive of week six this year he has 40 targets the entire season so his expected ppr points last year were 19.7 behind only derrick henry this year just 13.6 going from the rb2 to rb19 not great bob if you have a stealer in your lineup you're probably in playing in the consolation bracket at this point with the Panthers, guys, it's just a tough one. It's similar to like Atlanta where we just have such a run-first offense and in the running game, they're using multiple guys, so it's tough to feel overly good about anyone. That said, I mean, this is a Steelers defense that we've seen get gashed by Atlanta and Baltimore in consecutive weeks, so this really just has turned into another NFC South offense that wants to do nothing other than run the ball. They do not trust Sam Donald at all at this point. 37% pass play rate. 37%, the Falcons, who I've told you guys before, most, I mean, sorry, lowest pass play rate since the 2009 Jets, and the Falcons are 47%. So the Panthers are literally down another 10% off of the most run-heavy offense we've seen in over a decade. Absolute madness. So I would take Deontay Foreman over guys like DeAndre Swift, Antonio Gibson, Jamal Williams, and Cordero Patterson. I believe he does have a better chance of getting 20-plus touches. And if you're desperate, big lead. Worst guys out there than Chuba Hubbard, guys. 31 combined carries over the last two weeks. Carolina knows how to give their running backs the ball. 
Lions at the Jets. Jets are one-point favorites. Game total at 44 and a half points. So, yeah, DeAndre Swift. I mean, I just mentioned him and Jamal Williams recently as guys who I wouldn't be starting over, you know, sem- seemingly middle-tier RB3 guys. But that's the reality. I mean, in DeAndre Swift, in his game since returning from injury, he's had 10 touches, 5, 7, 8, 9, 18, and we all freaked out. And most recently, 9 once again. So unless Justin Jackson disappears, I don't really expect this to change. And to the Lions' credit, I mean, Justin Jackson, among these running backs on the team, is averaging the most yards after contact per carry, and he has the highest passer rating when actually targeted. So it's one of those things where Justin Jackson, just like Tyler Algier and some of these other running backs, that we get annoyed of the usage, but they don't suck, and it's probably a good real-life strategy. So adjust accordingly in fantasy, and we have DeAndre Swift, just my RB28 on the week. Jamal's my RB30. Again, three, four back, back committees. Much, much, much tougher to get behind them one or two. Also, would just note that it's been a fun DJ Chark here stretch, but this is really going to test them. Jets top three defense all season in terms of explosive pass play rate, yards per attempt, and pass rating allowed to wide receivers aligned on the outside. So I'm not saying fade the guy, but you know I'm also not firing what was a top 20 option or anything like that. I had DJ Chark as my wide receiver 35 ahead. Actually, I bumped him up a little bit more even. I have him basically right next to Donovan Peoples-Jones and Gabriel Davis. I would start him ahead of guys like the Steelers wide receivers, Zay Jones, Drake London, Josh Palmer, amongst others. With the Jets side of things, really great matchup here for Garrett Wilson against the Lions defense that ranks 30th both in PPR points per game allowed to wide receivers and PFF coverage grades. So with Mike White under center, Garrett's been the wide receiver 4, 9, and 26 on 8, 15, and 7 targets. So fire up Garrett Wilson with all the confidence in the world. He's my overall wide receiver 13 on the week. Great day to be an Ohio State Buckeye. And I probably would give Garrett the nod for offensive rookie of the year at this point. Obviously between him and Chris Olave. I thought it was Olave through about the first three months of the year, but seeing what, Gar- what Garrett's been able to do here last three, four weeks, I mean, he got shadowed by Tredavious White last week and still hung seven catches for 70 plus yards on the guy. Dude is an absolute stud. With the uh, running back, so Zonovan Knight, he's playing so good, guys. Again, leads the entire NFL in missed tackles force per carry. And that mark, it's only on about, you know, 40, 50 carries a season. But if you do give him the benefit of the doubt of expanding his sample size and keeping that sort of rate up, that would go down as the highest mark in PFF's entire database. So can't stress enough how impressive he's been. Sixth highest graded running back in terms of PFF rushing grade this year. The only problem is a little bit of that volume. I mean, Michael Carter did actually outsnap Zonovan Knight uh, last week, and we saw him take most of the pass down work away. So Zonovan Knight, someone I have ranked as my RB20. Yeah, it's it's funny where we we have this guy who we barely even knew who he was a month ago. I mean, I was joking around on Twitter how, like, Saquon Barkley goes from a guy in week five, how we were talking about, like, yeah, if we redrafted today, he'd probably be the 101. Fast forward 10 weeks, and now it's like Zonovan Knight or Saquon Barkley, uh, kind of a legit question out there so by the way assuming that Saquon does get you know no injury designation and continues to practice in full I would go Saquon over Zonovan but I do think Zonovan deserves a nod ahead of the Buccaneers running backs Brian Robinson Najee Harrison Dobbins among others I would be taking guys though like Dave Montgomery Zeke and Isaiah Pacheco ahead of Zonovan this week just feel a little bit better about their respective touch loads and especially that matchup for Pacheco in particular 
Cowboys at the Jaguars this week. Cowboys four and a half point road favorites. Game total at 47 and a half. And we know Michael Parsons and that Cowboys defense have been beyond elite pretty much all season, but so has that offense ever since they've gotten Dak back. Number one in points per game, third in EPA per play, fifth in yards per play, and first in touchdown drive rate, despite Dak actually posting career low numbers in PFF passing grade and his yards per attempt and adjusted completion rate aren't too far off as well. So kind of scary that the Cowboys could be leaving even a little bit of meat on the bone if Dak can really start playing like the best version of himself. But that's where we are. Loving CD Lamb. Michael Gallup is just the one guy that's kind of falling out of favor. Not that he can't go for two touchdowns like he did against the Colts a couple weeks ago. It's just one of those things where it's this is the third most run heavy offense in the NFL. It's CD Lamb, then Dalton Schultz, then usually Michael Gallup. And with Zeke and Pollard, start both of them if at all possible. They have each seen 15 plus combined carries and targets in all four games since Zeke returned from injury. We're happy with the split, right? We can all look ourselves in the mirror, acknowledge Tony Pollard is really good. And guess what? Zeke's probably really good in his own right as well. Never should have been 80-20 Zeke Pollard, 50-50. I am a fan. On the other side of things, I do think Trevor Lawrence and these Jaguars guys can give the Cowboys a run for their money if they're going to be playing their best football, which, to be honest, they have been for the better part here of the last four to six weeks. Big question, though, what do we do with Travis Etienne? And I am scared, but I am tentatively optimistic that we're going to see him break out of this mini rut. So over the past three games, he's been the PPR RB 26, 32, and 48. That came after, guys, where his previous three healthy games before that, he was the RB7. He was the, I'm losing track. I'm sorry, just three top eight finishes before that. So um, anyway, guys, his snap rate still over 75%. I know we aren't getting most of the catches that we thought we would with his, you know, player archetype and all that. But also is the Jaguars offense as one of only 10 teams who haven't targeted their running backs at least 60 times a season. So with ETN, he is PFF's second lowest grade receiving back, so I'm not necessarily damning the Jaguars for not throwing the ball more. But again, he has no competition. He is getting the workhorse role. Whether or not you think he can be a workhorse running back, the Jaguars sure seem to. And as much as the last three games tell us that he's been struggling with that, you don't need to go much further past that to find three games that tell us that he can put up top 10 production with this very workload. So. I'm still starting Travis Etienne ahead of guys like Miles Sanders, like Isaiah Pacheco, and like Ezekiel Elliott, all of whom also don't really have big-time pass game roles. I think they have more competition in the run game than what Etienne does at this point. Patriots at the Raiders. It's a pick them right now. Game total of 44 and a half. So all sorts of injuries in New England right now. It's just one of those situations that I think we'll have a more clear idea of what to do come Friday with the actual designations because Lord knows we never hear anything out of New England in the meantime. But with Jacoby Myers, Devontae Parker in the concussion protocol, Ramondre Stevenson's dealing with an ankle injury. Damon Harris hasn't practiced in several weeks with a thigh injury. Could end up being Pierre Strong, Kevin Harris, and probably J.J. Taylor in the backfield. I'm expecting not to be split up and none of those guys would be cracking my top 36 if anything i would trust pierre strong jr the most but even then guys he's not going to be making it past that james cook cam Akers, tyler algier range in the rb4 territory and then nelson Aguilar would be the number one wide receiver based on his production and based on his route rate so i still think that you know Aguilar could go out there and go for 200 yards and two touchdowns drop one pass and people would choose to focus on that and get their drop baby memes out there you know nelson's plays 
much better ball than he gets credit for over the past uh, four or five years. But that said, Patriots, one of just nine teams this year without even eight instances of having a top 24 PPR wide receiver. And Myers and Parker are responsible for four of those seven finishes. So it's just an offense where Mac Jones has thrown multiple touchdowns more he's thrown multiple touchdowns one time all season so he can blame it on matt patricia all he wants and hey go ahead regardless it's not a good offense it's not a good passing game it hasn't been all season let's not get carried away with them in fantasy with the raiders man who's the raiders number one option is it jacobs or Devontae adams who is bill belichick gonna completely take away because he's the only coach in nfl history to try to take away the opponent's number one pass game or run game option i don't know guys we've seen justin jefferson go for a buck 39 and a touchdown against these guys garrett wilson went for 115 tyree kill 94 yards stefan Diggs 92 yards and a touchdown and i know hopkins had that ill-time fumble but he still caught seven passes for 79 yards against this group as well so Devontae adams on pace for 1,630 yards plus 16 touchdowns on the year. Continue to fire him up with all the confidence in the world. And I'm also not completely terrified of this Patriots run defense. I mean, the Ravens went for a buck 88 against this guy. The Packers 199 and the Bears 243. Like the Patriots, they've been on a little bit of a nice run, but look at the quarterbacks they've faced. Four of the last six weeks, they've played Zach, they've gotten to face Zach Wilson twice, Sam Ellinger once, and then Colt McCoy on freaking Monday night when he was expecting Kyle Murray to be the quarterback, you know, in the entire lead up to that one. So really it's a Patriots defense that isn't bad and they're well coached and all that. You know, I'm kidding. I'm I'm well aware of how much success and how great of a coach Bill Belichick is and all that, but it's Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams. Don't get carried away, fire them up as their usual upside selves. Cardinals at the Broncos, Denver three-point favorites, game total at lowly, week low 36 and a half. So as much as Kyler, more upside, I think as a passer and obviously as a rusher than Colt McCoy, the 2022 versions haven't been all that different. And I don't think we need this downgrade Hopkins and Marquise Brown as much as some others might think. So in terms of yards per attempt, McCoy actually leads 6.3 versus 6.1. Kyler has a slightly higher passer rating, but McCoy only 0.2 off in terms of adjusting completion rate. McCoy has been the higher graded passer. So yes, McCoy only has one passing touchdown, but hasn't exactly had the easiest stretcher. I mean, he's had to face the Rams, the 49ers, and the Patriots in his three extended appearances. So unfortunately, we're getting the Broncos next. So that's going to be a fourth really tough opponent. But DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, seven consecutive top 24 PPR finishes since returning in his three games with McCoy, 14, 12, and 11 targets. So continue to fire up Hopkins in lineups of all shapes and sizes. And hey, if you're incredibly breast, uh, breast. If you're in incredibly blessed and you have, you know, three, you have CeeDee Lamb, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Jamar Chase. Okay, I guess I would start those guys ahead of DeAndre Hopkins. But guys, I was already getting some questions like Devontae Smith and, you know, um, Devontae Smith. I think like Gabriel Davis and DeAndre Hopkins. Come on, what more do you want from Hopkins at this point? He's been doing it with Kyler. He's been doing it with Colt. Yeah, he fumbled. He's not the first guy to fumble in the NFL this season. Wasn't good. Wouldn't expect it to happen too much more often moving forward. Also, good news for Marquise Brown. I thought we were going to have to have a conversation about what happens when Rondale comes back and who's in the slot, who's going to be the odd man out. But nope, unfortunately, Rondale Moore out for the season now with this groin injury on IR. So with Hollywood, someone I do have, you know, inside my top 30 receivers, Trey McBride, we do continue to see be the tight end one. But honestly, it's Hopkins that has all that volume. Again, he has been the number one guy over Marquise Brown with Colt McCoy under center. And then it's James Conner, man, really one of the most fantasy-friendly workloads 
workloads in the league right now. 96% snap rate last week was the single highest mark from any running back. So 100% starting Hopkins and Connor in lineups of all shapes and sizes. But otherwise, I mean, the Cardinals are only implied to score 16.75 points, second lowest mark in week 15. On the Broncos side of things, Judy, three touchdowns last week. Don't get too carried away. Maybe you can be happy. That's great. Clearly, the guy is, you know, I think better than Cortland Sutton. I think we can all agree on that at this point. But that said, guys, six career touchdowns in his previous 36 games. So not exactly expecting too many more trifectas. But then again, we've seen, uh, you know, Christian Watson certainly keep on uh, telling those touchdown regression gods to F right off. So it says the Cardinals 32nd ranked scoring defense. And it does sound like Cortland Sutton and KJ Hamler especially I think he's on IR are going to be out once again so I'm not down on Judy I would start him ahead of Marquise Brown even Mike Evans and Deontay Johnson but I do think once we start looking at Judy versus guys like Michael Pittman Amari Cooper Christian Kirk and Devontae Smith I'm just going to take the guys that I've seen a little bit more out of throughout this entire season Titans at the Chargers. Chargers are three-point favorites. Game total at 47 and a half. Our guy, Chiggy Aconquo, number one yards per outrun, yards per reception, and fifth in PFF receiving grade among 37 qualified tight ends. I would start him ahead of some tight end two darts like Tyler Conklin, Greg Dolchitz, and Robert Tunyon, assuming we do have Traylon Burke still sidelined, but probably should just be the Derrick Henry show here against the Chargers defense that continues to have very little answers for opposing rushing attacks without Joey Bosa. On the other side of things, though, the Chargers, guys, this could actually be a great matchup for Austin Eckler. We've talked about the Titans being incredible um, in the run game, and they really are. I mean, only the 49ers have allowed fewer rushing yards to opposing running backs this year, but they've also allowed the second most receptions to opposing RBs, and that's all we really care about with Austin Eckler anyway. Because you look at Eckler, guys, PPR RB 13 this season without a single rush attempt. Only his receiving production. Make him a wide receiver. He'd be the wide receiver 15 on the year. So Eckler, make him the RB1, RB5 overall, whatever you want. Clearly starting him. And you're also clearly starting Keenan Allen. 28 combined targets over the past two weeks, guys. Mad at number there. And I know he really did not do us many favors in fantasy during the first 12 or so weeks of the year. But he's here now. Better late than never for Keenan Allen. So final note here with the Chargers. I had a lot of uh, stuff going on on Twitter after I sent out this one tweet. You know, nothing nothing like getting the Herbert discussion going on there to really get some of those mentions flying. But I just wanted to get an idea of the best and worst supporting cast in the NFL. And I did a real quick study to figure that out. So PFF for offense, we divide it into five categories. Passing, rushing, receiving, pass blocking, and run blocking grades. So I just took out the passing side of things since obviously that is going to be provided by the quarterback. And then I took the average grades from every single team rushing receiving pass blocking and run blocking units and number one the nfl is the eagles which i think we could expect no knock on jalen hurts he obviously has been an mvp candidate and incredible this year but aj brown Devontae smith goddard that offensive line miles sanders i'm not surprised the bottom five teams from 28 to 32 the cardinals the colts the texans the rams and in dead last the los angeles chargers now would they be dead last if they actually had Mike Williams and Keenan Allen playing their first full game together before week 14? If they didn't have all these offensive line injuries, if they actually had a run game that could get going and not have to throw the ball at the league's highest rate, I doubt they would be dead last. I think the roster at full strength is much better than dead last, but the roster hasn't been at full strength. So quit 
slandering Justin Herbert. I just, I, I'm so tired of that conversation. How, yeah, whatever. Bengals at the Buccaneers, Cincy three and a half point favorites, game total out 44. So with Joe Mixon, unfortunate usage in his first game back from concussion. Now it's the Bengals. You're still starting Joe Mixon in lineups of all shapes and sizes. But earlier this year, guys, and still this year, I mean, he's the RB2 and expected PPR points per game. I mean, before he had that five touchdown, just huge blow up performance, there were a lot of people that just couldn't believe how bad he was doing relative to that workload. But it's almost a miracle that he was still as good as he was considering he wasn't scoring the touchdowns. So and, and com- coming back from the concussion now, 59% snap rate, his lowest mark of 2022. And we actually saw Samaje Pirine have a higher percentage of routes run, 50 versus 42%. It was in favor of Mixon in weeks one through nine, 56% to 25%. So I've seen some stuff where it's like, does Samaj Piran, you know, outperformed Joe Mixon because he gets all the work and Mixon always loses, loses a ton to Samaj Piran. You'd be right in saying that last year and even the year before, but this year they've really unleashed Joe Mixon as a receiver more than ever. Unfortunate to maybe see that coming to an end, but hey, first game back from the concussion, maybe there's easing him back in. At the end of the day, you're still starting him regardless. Final thing to worry about is what to do with T. Higgins. We need to see a full practice to trust this guy as anything more than a boomer bust wide receiver three because unfortunately, I mean, head coach Zach Taylor even said that they lost Higgins of warmups and then also added that they had some goal line packages for Higgins if it was necessary. What is going on here, guys? It's so weird. I mean, the Bengals, they did not list him on the final injury report. And then he played the one snap because of a quote-unquote coach's decision. Like, the coach's decision was reportedly made because of the hamstring. So how is the guy not on the freaking injury report at that point? So, unfortunately, I mean, we had a separate injury, an ankle issue, caused this same damn problem back in week five against the Ravens, where Higgins was listed as questionable in this instance, but he practiced the, he practiced in a limited fashion all week and then went on to play just 10 snaps in that game against the Ravens so T Higgins is someone that I'm going to have right alongside guys like Gabriel Davis uh, Deontay Johnson Zay Jones Drake London if he's entering this game as a limited participant in practice if he's full if Zach Taylor comes out on Friday and says hey he's back to back to full strength we're not doing any limited workloads he is back to being T Higgins then he would be right back into his usual top 16 position in the old ranks also got the Buccaneers and sadly guys, Chris Goblin, the only must start option inside the Buccaneers 28th ranked scoring offense at this point. All right, let's play a game. How many games this year do you think the Buccaneers have scored more than 22 points? Go ahead and guess. Give you a second. One time. That's all. One freaking game all season with more than 22 points. Every time I lay that out there, I just need to go double check it because I can't even believe it, but that is the case. But hey, at least Byron Leftwich is not like fantasy football. Anyway, Mike Evans, nine straight games without a touchdown. His previous career long stretch was six. With Brady in 2020 and 2021, Mike Evans never went more than two games without a touchdown. It's now been nine. Absolute madness. Mike Evans is someone that I have ranked as my wide receiver 28 behind guys like Hollywood Brown, Jerry Judy, Michael Pittman, Christian Kirk, amongst others in the run game. Hey, both Fournette and White had, you know, RB2 production last week. Only the Chargers have more total targets to their running backs this season than the Buccaneers. Unfortunately, we just don't have all that many scoring opportunities. So probably should get some more than obviously it did against the 49ers. But again, Chris Goblin and everyone else in this offense. And that also clearly goes for the GOAT. Tom Brady who is fresh off his worst game of the season. I only have Brady as my QB 16 this week. I would start guys like Tyler Huntley, Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, and Mike White ahead of him. 
Sunday night football, NFC East showdown. We got the New York Giants at the Washington Commanders. Washington favored by four and a half points. Game total about 40 and a half. So it looks like Saquon is going to get back to that full workload. He already practiced in full on Wednesday. And also as messy as his snaps were last week. I mean, only 32% snaps, nine carries and two targets. It was also a blowout game script. So there really was no point in, you know, forcing the ball down Saquon's throat after they were already falling behind so much in that first half. So the other problem would just be like what is Saquon these days because 3.6 or fewer yards per carry in five of his last six games and in a, in a year where Tony gets traded Sterling Shepard on IR Kenny Galladay turned into a mannequin like Richie James gets hurt this wide receiver room da- Daniel Bellinger had the eye injury and missed a bunch of time if you're going to tell us that all that stuff happened before the season I mean what Saquon becomes like a top five running back because you just assume he's getting eight plus targets per game it's been the opposite, guys. Career low marks in receiving yards per game at just 20.1 and targets per game, 4.2. I'm telling you right now, Saquon Barkley last year, that version of Saquon averaged more targets in receiving yards per game than this year. Absolute madness. So really, it becomes tough, guys, because with that total, we think of Saquon more so as his three down back. And he is in terms of his overall snap rate and being on the field when he's not limited with the neck injury like he was last week. But with that receiving production, it's very similar to Travis Etienne, and that's kind of how I'm going to have to treat him if this happens. So I probably would give him the slight nod in front of ETM, but Saquon Barkley and Dalvin Cook, that's really who it's uh, more like. Those three are going to probably be just outside my top 12 because they're not getting thrown the ball, unfortunately. So I'd be hard-pressed to think that there's going to be too many lineups out there that won't have Saquon Barkley starting. But yeah, he's going to fall probably right into my RB 12 to 13 range as long as we don't have that injury designation going into Sunday. On the other side of the ball, Brian Robinson, guys, set up to smash against this Giants run D that he already had a good game against back in week 13, right before their bye, the last game that Washington did play. And dead last in yards before contact per carry. It's why we were all over Miles Sanders last week. And they've just been flamed all throughout this season. I mean, McCaffrey, Pollard, ETN, Drake, and Miles Sanders, they all cleared 100 yards against this defense, and none of them needed more than 17 carries to do so. So Brian Robinson has handled 15, 26, 15, 20, and 23 touches over his past five games. Fire him up as a legit low-end RB2 in this one. And then Terry McLaurin, my wide receiver, 14 on the week, just went for 100-plus yards and touchdown the last time we saw him maybe gets a dory jackson back from knee injury i am not worried i don't think anybody puts more fear into the heart of a shadow corner than terry mclaurin heard a really nice breakdown from darius slay on just what makes him so good check that one out on twitter if you have a chance Finally, guys, we got the Rams at the Packers on Monday Night Football. Green Bay sitting at seven-point favorites. Game total at 39.5. So with the Rams, Cam Akers coming off RB8 and RB21 finishes. And hey, can we trust them? No, we can't because Malcolm Brown is back. And even when they do get inside the 10-yard line, guys, the Rams are the fourth most pass-happy offense. So it's just one of those things where, yeah, Baker was fun, but... Who can we really expect to tell us the truth? You know, in this world, I think it's Vegas. Some of these line makers, because at the end of the day, they're trying their hardest to make money on this. And historically, they do a damn good job doing just that. Nobody is implied to score fewer points this week than the Los Angeles Rams at just 16.25. So shout out Tutu Atwell um, joins Tyreek Hill as the only wide receivers averaging over three yards per outrun. 
small last sample size, but still. But yeah, try not to start anybody involved in this Rams offense if you can help it. And finally, we got the Packers in the main event. Christian Watson, eight touchdowns on his last 17 touches. He's worked as a PPR wide receiver three, eight, 10, and eight during that stretch, despite not having more than eight targets in any of those games. So, hey, the dude's balling 2.3 yards per route run this year, ranks 12th among 114 qualified wide receivers. I don't think he's going to get shadow coverage from Jalen Ramsey. He's only taken on Hopkins, Metcalf, and Devontae Adams this year. So, yeah, Christian Watson, anyone's idea of an upside wide receiver too and it's one of those things where yeah i get it the usage hasn't been fantastic but he's been fantastic and usually when you have those two variables colliding the usage ends up catching up to the talent at hand so with Watson, he's my wide receiver 15 on the week. I would start him ahead of guys like Brandon Ayuk, Tyler Lockett, Chris Olave, and Mike Williams. I would start guys like Terry McLaurin, Garrett Wilson, and DK Metcalf, amongst others, ahead of the stud rookie. And with that, going to wrap up another edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Again, appreciate you guys getting through with the solo. I know I do talk fast, but we got a lot of information to get through, and I'd hate to keep you here for a couple hours as we try to space things out for no particular reason. So guests will be back on the way once we get through this year. You know, just a matter of staffing here at PFF these days, but I know, uh, I hope they are trying their hardest. So one of those things, guys, we will watch the film, get better, roll with the punches, and at the end of the day, it always is a great day to be great. So week 15, let's go win some freaking fantasy championships. Why the hell not? I'm Ian Harditz, and until next time, take care, everybody.